listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, it's great to be back with you. Um, I was all prepared on Saturday to rototill the garden. And the PTO shaft, uh, I broke the bolt that holds it onto the uh, um, um, rototiller. Bummer. Three times. I broke three different bolts. Finally realized I needed to buy hardened steel instead of just regular metal bolts. Broke that one too. So clearly, the, either the tractor's too powerful, or something's wrong with the with the drive on the, on the rototiller. But I just snapped that bolt right in half, right can on top. Uh, of. Can you turn it uh, by hand, the rototiller? Yeah, that would be a little harder, I think. Uh, a five foot wide rototiller. Well, I could I can move the rototiller. Yeah, I mean the tiller blades move, and uh, oh, you ought to be. I mean, I had a I had a uh, three row or no four row. Uh, Bushwhackers, mm-hmm. that we call them back then, but uh, you know, even even uh, pulled off my PTO, mm-hmm. I could. It wasn't easy, but I could turn it by hand, or if you know, I had other PTO equipment. Mm-hmm. That uh, generally speaking, it, it might take a big pipe wrench, but you could at least turn it. That'll be this if next week. <laughs> if that's not, if it's uh, if it's locked up, then. Well, that's, that's that's what I hope it's not. We're gonna. Yeah. I, I run out of time on Saturday, but it's good to be with you. You know, last night, for those listening to this, uh, not the same day and live here on America's Web Radio, uh, was the debate, the very first debate uh, live between Donald J. Trump and uh, Hillary Rodham. Rodham. Thank you, David Rodham Clinton, um, and. Um, it was uh, it was fascinating. I had been I was invited as a guest on uh, Telemundo Atlanta uh, for after the debate. And I spent a half hour from eleven to eleven thirty last night commenting on uh, the debate uh, prior to that. Which, first of all, it's amazing how fast thirty minutes goes when you're commenting like that. It just, it just time just flies by. You never feel like you have enough time to talk about what really really is important. Um, but it gave me a chance to have to pay attention to the debate rather than just be entertained or knocked my socks off by, by either the good or the bad that was in the debate. And uh, what I found uh, interesting about the debate last night, and I thought uh, Trump uh, was well prepared for the first 30 minutes of that debate in that all he did was reiterate his stump speech. I mean, that's all he did. I mean, it, it, it was evidence, again, Trump literally has no policies on anything. But he knows what resonates. Oh, trade, 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 Rust Belt, trade, Rust Belt, trade, taking jobs away, trade, Ford's destroying America, trade, bad, bad, bad. The moment they shifted away from that, you could tell that man had spent not not a second preparing for the debate. You could just tell right away. He didn't have answers to the most simple question. How did he how could he not have an answer to Mr. Trump, are you a racist for saying for five years after the birth certificate was produced uh, that it was not a sufficient record of his birth, and then at the last minute saying it is? How could he not have a simple answer, something Hillary actually did have an answer to on her her, um, emails, which was, I made a mistake, I screwed up, take full responsibility. Boom, that was it, that was it. The bad part of the debate's over. That's all he had to say. You know what, I shouldn't have done that. It was a mistake. I apologize for that. I believe President born in the United States. Boom, issue's done. So the lesson it's taken Hillary a year and a half to learn on the emails apparently is going to be a very hard-earned lesson for Donald Trump as well on on the birther issue. Um, And it's going to be fascinating to see whether that comes up in the next debate, which I guarantee you it will. Because the next page is going to say, Mr. Trump, you still have not explained 
why for five years after the birth certificate was produced, you are you were a birther. You know, I wasn't. Well, actually, here's the 63 tweets that you put out. Um, now, here's, David, my favorite part of last night's debate. Uh, and you could tell how important social media and social um, uh, presence is. Literally, some of the very first words that came out of Hillary's mouth last night were, go to my website, we're fact-checking Donald as the debate goes on. Okay? Now, do you know how many people watched last night? The estimate before the debate, I don't know how many did, but it's 100 million people. So you have to understand that if you're telling people to go to your website, you better be prepared to have 100 million people go to your website. Now, David, could 100 million people go to America's Web Radio right now? No. no clearly, that would be that would be dictated. Oh, that's a denial of service attack. No, it's just people trying to get to your website because you told them to go. So Donald did the same thing shortly thereafter. Okay, He said something to the similar. But here's the problem. Hillary's website kept working. Donald's did not. His site literally shut down. Um, and it shut down because people were trying to go to his website. I mean, hey, if, if I want to see if we're going to fact-check Hillary, I'm a Donald supporter. I want to see the website. His All website right, literally I, crashed. I guess Hillary's had more experience with servers. Well, actually, she's a much more experienced person than servers. <laughs> that was You should send that to Trump because he could use that. He could use that line. Um, but I just thought it was hilarious. How does your campaign not think... Oh my goodness, we're gonna we might get a lot of traffic tonight. Let's make sure we beef up the back servers so we don't have a problem. Let's make sure our RT guys are blocking if there is a denial of service, like which there's clearly not, but it's just too much usage. Um, but I thought that was a telling sign uh, of the preparation level of the campaigns. They the Trump campaign is excellent, David, excellent at this um, retail politics, so to speak. Going out, big crowds, Trump draws energy from them, but they suck on social media. They're terrible on it. They're terrible on the net. Their website's not very good. It doesn't drive people to the to, to, to find his information, but mostly because there isn't any information on his website. I've been there. We've talked about that previously. Hillary, on the other hand, is probably terrible at retail politics. You don't ever see her do big crowds because she's terrible at big crowds. You see her on some one-on-one small crowd stuff, but that's not her thing. But her social media stuff, because she's taken the guys that are the Obamas, which invented social media campaigning. Uh, I was all prepared last night, David, to comment on all the immigration aspects of the debate and bring that today so that we could go into deep detail about what half-truths and misrepresentations may have occurred in the debate. But really, we only heard two mentions of immigration last night, and one of them was kind of esoteric. The first one by Trump, which was essentially Mexico. That's that's what he said. They're killing us. NAFTA, worst trade deal in the history of mankind. Which, by the way, it's not. And Hillary needs to get off. You get off that. Get our butt. Say, you know what? Yeah, some people have lost jobs, which we knew would happen because those jobs didn't make money in America. Yeah, some people did those jobs. We feel bad for that. That's why we did retraining. That's why we did X. That's why we did Y. But overall, NAFTA has lifted all three countries, the biggest trade block in the world, Canada, United States, and Mexico. Why? NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement. Period. End of story. Uh, Hillary needs to get on and defend NAFTA a little bit. Get, 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 her, get her big girl panties on or something. So he said Mexico. So that's when you thought, okay, all right, that's bad. The, next, the only other mention of immigration in a roundabout way, because Donald Trump had to get the words out, was when he was talking about the deaths, the killing of people in Chicago, mostly African-Americans, 
He then did say, and illegal immigrants are having guns and are killing everybody. So he tried to, again, this whole idea of illegal immigration creates more crime, which we know it does not. Immigrants actually are arrested at a far lower rate uh, than U.S. citizens are, uh, and almost non-existent rates for uh, violent crimes, although I mean, obviously they occur, but not at the rates that they do for U.S. citizens. Um, so it's really, I thought it was fascinating to see how immigration was left out of a debate on national security. Immigration really is a key component of national security. One, knowing who everybody is. We've talked about this before. You know, One of the reasons why you want to get rid of undocumented immigration is you want to know who everybody is. And that's not going to happen unless you actually offer people something in return to come forward. You know, have some sort of legalization program. Uh, so that's, he didn't mention that. And Hillary also did not mention that. She could have brought that in. Uh, and maybe she just feels it's, too, it's an issue that uh, hurts her. I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, but the, uh, the issue of economics was there, the economic security. Well, immigration is an integral part of economic security, bringing in the right people for the right jobs with the right investment and the right technology, keeping people here who are uh, uh, who have been educated in the United States. All of that stuff is, in, is integral to the immigration debate. And yet, neither one of them brought that up. I mean, that's, that probably didn't surprise you, David. You probably I know you're not a big immigration guy in the context of what the presidents are going to debate about, but I thought, since it's, it's Trump's number one issue that he always leads with... We're going to build a wall, and who's going to pay for it? Mexico. All right. Well, didn't even come up. Didn't even come up in a discussion of national security. I was also a little bit dismayed and bothered by the lack of discussion on details in regards to our national security as it pertains to ISIS. Trump was nothing. He didn't really say anything about it. Hillary said, here's what we're going to do, X, Y, Z. You may believe or not believe her. But Trump basically didn't say anything. Once again, pointing out that he apparently doesn't have a plan. Now, David, there's a new uh, uh, article just came out just in the last few minutes as we were going on the air that I was looking at. Consumer confidence in the United States is as high as it's been since 2007. So here's my question. If the Obama presidency has been such a disaster for America, if it's been a disaster... Why is consumer confidence so high? Why is the approval rating so high? I mean, his approval rating's double what George Bush's was when George went out of office. I mean, if 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 Obama was running again, and you know he may, you never know what's going to happen before now in November. Would he get reelected? Probably, probably. Uh, I just think it's going to be fascinating to look at uh, as the debate goes forward, as this argument goes forward, what happens. Now, n- next Tuesday, David, is another debate. Uh, now, this has got to be the bait of the two most boring politicians in America, Mike Pence and uh, what's Kane's first name? I forgot Kane's first name. Uh, I completely forgot his first name. It's completely blopped out of my brain. People on the radio going, oh, his name is X, Tim. Tim Kane. Tim Kane and Mike Pence. Now, Mike Pence's job appears to be to go on Sunday radio stations and say that's not what Trump meant. That's, he literally goes around saying, that's not really what he meant. That's not really what he meant. That's not really... I don't know if you watch the Sunday shows, David, but you should watch Pence on that because he's become a master at saying, that's not what he really meant. 
Or here's what he meant to say. Or here's what that really means. He's, he's kind of a Svengali, a Trump Svengali. He takes what Trump says, and then he tells you what Trump means, even though it doesn't mean what Trump says it means. So you've got that going for you. Tim Kaine, on the other hand, seems like a super nice guy, the kind of guy you'd like to borrow a hedge trimmer from who lives next door to you. Um, doesn't excite me either way. I guess that's the best part about being vice president. You don't want to be too excitable, and, and, and you want to look like the guy that's stable. But that debate should be it. I don't think we're going to see a. I think we're not going to see a uh, uh, Lloyd Benson Dan Quayle moment. Because um, I think I think both of these guys. I think they know each other pretty well. I think they were both in the house together. Um, maybe not. Well, were they in the house was was Kane in the house. Yeah, Kane was in the house. Uh, I think they were in the house. So I think they and they're both about the same age. They both appear to be in their late fifties, uh, early sixties. Uh, so it should be interesting to see these two guys debate, but it's not going to be nearly as interesting as watching last night's um, show. That was really quite good. One of my favorite things leading up to the debate, I was uh, David. I do occasionally go to the Drudge Report. I don't know if you're a Drudge Report kind of guy. I go to the Drudge Report because I like my mind to be full of junk. I like to see what you can take an article says and then turn it into the most anti-Hillary headline in the history of the planet when nothing in that article says anything about that. Um, but they had an article on the size of the podiums. Yes, the size of the And did you know that Hillary's podium was shorter than Donald's? You also know she's nine inches shorter than Donald Trump as well. So, of course, the podium is going to be shorter because what they want to do is show the same amount of head space above the podium for each person. Just like at my church, we have a podium that goes up and down. We don't have a solid podium. So when somebody stands up that there's only 5'2", they're not looking right into the microphone and you can't see their face from the congregation. So I thought that was a hilarious um, anti-Hillary thing that literally made no sense whatsoever. Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración. Conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. 
Welcome back to our next segment here on America's Web Radio. David, on the break, you brought up an interesting point, and it was even more interesting by how I watched the debate last night. Um, first of all, I watched it in Spanish. And as you may not may know, the candidates don't speak Spanish. So you have the way the television works is you can hear them barely speaking English, and then the translator comes on and simultaneously translate it, and it also um, uh, has the closed captioning in Spanish. Now, the, the speaking is faster than the closed captioning, and the, the Spanish speaking is behind the English speaking, so you're actually watching three different debates at the same time if you're watching a Telemundo. But here's what we were talking about. In English, because uh, they had three TVs, one of them was on NBC, the other two were on Telemundo, the English debate was split screen, with one, and they did that on purpose. They even told the candidates it's always going to be on, which is why they were supposed to be coached something Donald Trump forgot about after 30 minutes, don't make face, faces. Don't, don't go, oh, what's Trump was constantly making faces. Hillary only did it once or twice, but although she, she kept looking down. That guy was kind of weird. Somebody needs to tell her, stop looking down. Uh, but in Spanish, it, it was, they would do the individual, and then they would go to the next person and back and forth. Fascinatingly enough, the translation in Spanish, there was a guy translating for Trump and a woman translating for Hillary. I thought that was interesting. But why do you, 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 you commented that the split screen made him look different in size to her? Yeah. You know, I, I uh, my wife, in fact, I was thinking it and my wife said something about it, which she is generally not the one that uh, would bring something up like that. But. They had made such a point out of that he had the big podium and they had made her a small podium so they'd all look equal and all this. Well, in the split screen, they had her looking much larger than Trump. And, you know, this goes back to one of the previous debates many years ago where, oh, it was George H.W. Bush Mm -hmm. when he was running against, uh, was it Mondale? Dukakis. Uh, Dukakis. And Dukakis evidently was very small. He's and, a small guy, yeah. And uh, they thought that uh, well, uh, George H.W. came out and stood beside him to look bigger and, mm-hmm. and more presidential and stuff like that. And they didn't want that with with this. So they had uh, Hillary was much closer to the camera, making her look bigger. And uh, Trump, they had looking. I was watching that TV from the side, so I didn't get a straight-on look, and I can't recall that it looked much different. What I did appreciate, the fact, was that Trump came out in a blue tie and Hillary came out in a red pantsuit. Yeah. I thought that was fast. Do you think they coordinated that? They said, hey, let's throw it. Do you think they're actually both working together because Trump really doesn't want to be president? And uh, he's secretly a Democrat. And uh, they said, let's screw everybody up. You wear red, I wear blue, and, and that'll be fun. You know. That's a conspiracy theory I can sink my my teeth into. Huh. <laughs> Could be. Uh, so, what did your wife think about the debate last night? You know, she'd gone about forty five minutes into it and rolled over and went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, she got the best part for 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 the Trumpster last night. The best part. Um, but from an immigration perspective, David, I thought uh, the, that sets up one of the next two debates as the immigration debate. And I would uh, the next debate 
uh, of course, the vice president's is October fourth. It's next Tuesday, and then the next one for the presidential debate is the week is a week later, like the eleventh or twelfth, something, something like that. Uh, do you know who's when? Which one does Chris Wallace do from Fox oh, News? The last one. This is it the last one? Uh, now here's what's fascinating: Lester Holt is a registered Republican. The guy who debated debate last night. Chris Wallace is a registered Democrat. Now you would think that the opposite of those two guys, right? I just thought that was fascinating. Maybe they're playing us as well, too. They just go ahead and register a different party and just screw everybody else up. It doesn't really matter, right? Um, some people will say that reporters uh, shouldn't register to vote. They shouldn't vote at all. Um, and uh, I uh, um, I think that uh, uh, reporters should have to vote, and they should tell us who they vote for and then give us an idea of what they think and how that biases their reporting. Uh, but from a from a perspective, look at look at Hillary uh, on the immigration front. Uh, we talked a couple weeks ago about her about her immigration plan, how she wants to move forward on her immigration plan. Um, but we have to look too about the numbers of last night, David. There was uh, the post poll debates were fascinating. I mean, the post debate polls were fascinating. Right after the debate, NBC had Trump winning 60-40 immediately, like the, the moment the debate was over. But at the, as the night went on, NBC was saying that Hillary won the debate. And CNN came out with their poll, and they had Hillary about 63 and Donald around 37. All right? Um, so they had Hillary winning big, the CNN people. I didn't look at the other polls. I, and Fox, actually, all, I mean, even in the spin room afterwards... Uh, Rudy Giuliani even said, yeah, he didn't do a very good job. Chris Christie said, well, you know, we're working on the debate stuff. Uh, and so even the, even Fox News said Hillary won that debate. But here's what's interesting. On Telemundo, what was the percentage of who won that debate? Almost 80% said Hillary won that debate. Now, why is that important from an immigration context? If Whether, whether it's... whether. Anglo voters who watch NBC and Fox News and MSNBC or CNN, whether they're 50-50, um, whatever that percentage is, it's close. If it remains that close for Donald Trump and Latinos remain 75-25 for Hillary, Trump loses if they come out and vote. I mean, it's really that simple. So what Trump did not do, he might have solidified most of his base, although I was listening to TV this morning, and i got to tell you, some people in his base are not happy with him. He might have solidified his base. What he did not do was attract a single new voter to him last night. And if his goal is not to lose voters in these debates, then he loses the election. Because his goal as a debater has to be to bring people over to his side that are either on Hillary's side, unlikely, or simply undecided. And as a country, because we are so closely divided, where basically it's 45% Democrat and 42% Republican, where it's that middle 15% that, to whom you have to appeal and talk to, because you're not going to lose your 43, you're not going to lose your 42, how do you do that without offending some of your 42 or 43? And that's what I think Hillary did a much more effective job at last night than, uh, than, uh, than uh, Trump did. And uh, it's... Uh, going to be interesting to go see going forward uh, how Latinos uh, and Hispanics and immigrants in general view this. Now, every day, David, I sit in my office and I meet with people. People talk to me, fix their immigration problems, which we do a very good job of fixing, by the way. 
And I always, I'm, to these days, I always ask them, uh, if they're coming with a U.S. citizen spouse or a friend, are you voting? Yes, I'm going to vote. Who are you going to vote for? Oh, Hillary. Uh, now, every now and then, like one out of every ten, somebody will say Trump. But most people who are either immigrants or friends of immigrants see Trump's attacks on immigrants, not just undocumented immigrants, but all immigrants, as one of many reasons not to vote for him. Um, there is a tracking poll that came out right before the debate. So it was the week before the debate uh, that was done by the NALEA, which is the National Association of Latino Elected Officials, Educational Fund, and Telemundo. Uh, and it, uh, it said this, that Latinos appear to have low expectations of Donald Trump. Um, fascinating poll numbers. Um, only 16% of these respondents in this poll said they expect Donald Trump to win the debate. And 63% said they expect Hillary to be the most convincing. And when we see the numbers that came out after the debate, you'll see that those numbers pretty much held up. Um, now, when it, here, here's one of the, the good questions uh, that I, I think is telling, because so many of our immigrants are from Latin America. It says, when it comes to the topic of future U.S.-Latin American relations, the poll revealed an overwhelming 71% of Latinos think Hillary Clinton would be the candidate to strengthen ties between the U.S. and Latin America. Only 9% said Donald Trump would. Now, that's um, not surprising to anybody because Trump's uh, emphasis on building the wall shows his inability to think through real issues facing Latin America. I, uh, I am not surprised by how the poll numbers are tilting far away from Trump among voters he has got he has got to uh, uh, to win. You've got to wing back and bring into his fold. He's got to get more than that twenty five percent. If he doesn't get that, I think he's uh, I think he's got a big problem going forward, and I don't think he can win. Uh, it's it's uh, it's close. It's a close election. It's always going to be close because of the way demographics are in the United States. Nobody's ever going to run away from an election from, from with an election. Uh, but it's. Uh, uh, going to be really interesting to move forward. Now, uh, in uh, tonight's debate, uh, uh, CNN uh, was um, um, uh, was broadcasting this with Telemundo, and Trump's, Trump had a brief fight uh, with a debate moderator, this is actually a few months ago, about, I don't believe anything Telemundo says. Now think about that. When you tell a, a, a host, or you tell a, 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 a media that is representative to some extent of an entire ethnic group. I don't trust anything you say. What you're saying is you, the viewers, I don't trust you either. These are the things people are not going not to forget uh, as they go forward uh, in the debate and as we see more and more of, um, uh, of, uh, of Trump trying to recapture uh, some of the momentum they had Going into uh, uh, going into the debate last night because I think Trump really had some momentum, but I think that stopped last night. And as we see the polls going forward over the next week or so, I think you're going to see a, a lead for Hillary build back up. Now, here's the other thing about these polls, David, that we've seen: the the tightening of the race was not Trump gaining ground. Trump, if you look at virtually every poll, you will never see Trump in a nationwide poll. Above forty three percent, you just won't, and it's a, it's a hard ceiling for him. It's Hillary that has come down, and who has picked up those votes are are are, are Gary Johnson, uh, Evan McMullen, or uh, or Jill Stein, who is the craziest of them all. 
Yes, all my listeners who are Jill Stein fans, I'm sorry. She's an anti-vaxxer, which makes her completely unfit to be president of the United States. I mean, anybody who doesn't vaccinate their children should be put in jail. I mean, it's just the worst thing you can do for America. Um, we're going to be back here in just a second as we talk more about uh, about the debate and more about going forward on what it's going to be like as we prepare for the presidential election. We'll be right back on America's Web Radio. Uh, it's the Immigration Hour. Your host, Chuck Cook. Soy Charles Cook, abogado y jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Llámenos hoy si usted tiene problemas con inmigración, si ha sido arrestado, si se casó con un ciudadano o tiene una oferta de trabajo. Nosotros le podemos ayudar. También podemos explicar cómo, qué puedes hacer para recibir los beneficios de inmigración. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, 404-816-8611, o visítenos por el Internet al www.immigration.net. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. This is... Um Charles Cook, uh, your host of the Immigration Hour. David, our, this is going to be the longest-running immigration podcast uh, in the universe, probably. David, you'd love that. You'd love that. Thank you to all our listeners that download us every week, that listen to my rantings and uh, my ravings. Uh, David, I want to tell you, uh, the ICE union, as Trump trumpeted last night, endorsed him. The Trump, uh, Trump folks uh, claiming that the National ICE Council, which is a subunit of the American Federation for um, um, Government Employees, AFGME or something like that, uh, endorsed him, and he trumpeted that last night. What he did not tell you was that ICE Council does not represent a majority of ICE employees. It represents a minority of ICE employees, in fact, a smaller minority than the general population that votes for Bill, that votes for uh, Trump anyway. ICE has more than 20,000 employees. Yet only 7,600 are members of the National Ice Council. So uh, I, I hopefully somebody will point out that, yes, there, will, there are clearly people in every government agency that disagree with their bosses. Uh, that's kind of a national uh, uh, pastime for those that work for the government. At the same time, they are a minority. And uh, because they are minority, I think uh, Hillary would be well-placed to say, Donald, when the minority supports me, I don't really don't say anything about that. Uh, the other thing that I thought was fascinating, David, last night uh, was, uh, besides this, this endorsement of a minority of Border Patrol agents, an ICE council that supports him as well, uh, but really 
how they interacted. There is a lot of memes. Is it memes or memes? I always get that word wrong. Do you know what it is? Is it memes or meme? Memes, I think. Memes? Memes. Meme, meme. We'll call it meme, meme, meme. Memes. There's this great one with Trump is standing at the podium. His arms are way wide like this. And Hillary's just kind of looking at him going. And the article is mansplaining. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I got to tell you, uh, in the, the part of the debate that you went to bed for was the part that Trump began to use facial expressions, just throw out look what he did in the primaries. Just, no, that's wrong. That's incorrect. That's, so he, he's in Cape. Can you imagine him negotiating a contract with a foreign leader? It's wrong. You're incorrect about that. Well, w- w- wait till I'm done speaking, and then you can. No, no, you're wrong. He he talks like a two year old. That's what it, that's what I imagine. When I was sitting last night with a couple of reporters, one of them turned to me and says, "Man, this is like watching a kid in grade school react um, to to not being right about something by just being boisterous and bullying." Uh, it was. Uh, I think a lot of people picked up on that, and of course, there was the woman comment last night. Um, Hillary is had an ad, clearly had an ad prepared because it came out immediately after the debate. Um, the former Miss Venezuela, I think, is who it was, uh, in the first year that Donald ran the uh, Miss Universe pageant, uh, he called her uh, a Miss Piggy and Miss Housekeeping. That's what he called her because uh, he felt she was too fat uh, to be a beauty pageant contestant. Well, apparently, she just became a U.S. citizen a couple weeks ago, <laughs> so she'd be voting. And Hillary brought that up in response to something that Trump had said uh, in regards to women. And then Trump blurted out the weirdest thing of the night. Rosie O'Donnell. Everybody hates her anyway, and everything I said about her is true. You know, really? That, that, that's appropriate in a presidential debate? I mean, it, this was a debate, I have to tell you, that was not reminiscent of the Reagan-Carter debates. It was not reminiscent of the Bush-Dukakis debates. It was not reminiscent of, heck, even Bush-Gore debates. Watching Trump debate was sad. It was very sad. Uh, Because he clearly does not understand national policy or politics. And yeah, I get it. We want change. We want we want something different. At least a minority of Americans want something different. A majority of Americans still apparently like to keep the successful policies that we have going forward that have created millions of jobs and created stock market uh, uh, increase and have uh, spurred small business forward and enhanced consumer confidence. Um, but they want change. Okay, I get that. But this is your agent of change? An agent of change is somebody like Paul Ryan who understands policies and politics and how to get stuff done. Trump doesn't understand any of that stuff. Last night was partly a commercial for his hotel, which he claims came in under budget and under time, which apparently neither one of those is true. Um, And I, I for one, am becoming tired, literally exhausted, of having to check Donald Trump's facts, the things that come out of his mouth. Is he not capable of simply telling the truth? And this gets me to his campaign manager, Kellyanne Conway who I was excited to see join the campaign because she has a great history behind her. It was wonderful that a woman is managing a national campaign finally for a candidate. But one of the things she said a couple of mornings ago, maybe it was yesterday morning, about the lies Donald Trump tells. And, and, and this particular lie was about Lester Holt, where Trump came out and said, Lester Holt's a registered Democrat. 
And it was literally not true. And, and Kellyanne Conway's defense was, if he didn't know it was incorrect, it's not a lie. That's the standard? That's literally how we're going to judge people going forward? If you didn't know it was a lie, it's not a lie? So ignorance is now a defense to everything or just the things that come out of Donald Trump's mouth? I don't know how anybody could pull the button for this guy. He is wildly unqualified. Something like um, uh, McMullen, who is uh, a rational conservative, who is somebody who understands politics, somebody who understands America, somebody who's worked and sacrificed for America, um, that would, I think, make an excellent president of the United States. He gets no press time, no no ideas, no nothing. Gary Johnson, I like Gary Johnson. I mean, Gary's a good guy. I think he spent a little too much time smoking the wacky weed, but, you know, I think he's a good guy. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure he'd be a great president, but he'd be an adequate president. Way better than Trump would be as president of the United States. Uh, Trump in office terrifies me for the very simple reason of the people he has surrounded himself by. He has surrounded himself by people who are racist, by people who are misogynist, uh, by people who are anti-immigrants, by people who do not understand economics as they work in the 21st century, by people who do not understand tax policy as they benefit America. And that's what scares me more than anything else. When Trump blasted out last night that, hey, yeah, I didn't pay any taxes. Okay, that makes me a good businessman. No, actually, that makes you a freeloader on the middle class. See, because you're still driving on our freeways. You're still using our roads. You're still protected by our military. And if you're not paying taxes, I am. So I am paying your share of the taxes. So no, it doesn't make you a good businessman. It makes you a miserable human being and a bad American. And I I would really love to see Hillary come out and say something like that. And I, I would not be surprised to see his quote come up in a commercial. No, I didn't pay any taxes. Clearly, that makes me a good businessman. No, it does not. Or the housing crisis last night. When uh, it came out that Hillary mentioned that Donald had tweeted that he hopes the crash is really bad because then he can make money on it. And then he doubled down and said, yes, I make money on the crash. That makes me a good businessman. Tell that to the people who lost their houses in Nevada and Florida and North Carolina and Ohio and Wisconsin and Michigan during the crash, that you wanted it to be bad so you can make more money. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that you you just don't put out there if you want to build up America. And that's the last thing I want to talk about, David. Uh, although we're not near the end of the show yet, but it's something that really has been bothering me. Listening to Trump last night was depressing. He talks down America. America sucks. It's dangerous. We're, he called us a third world country last night. I don't want a guy that for president. What a miserable... What does he live like in Gotham City in Batman comic books? To talk down America, like that's not the America I know. The America I know is vibrant and exciting and moving forward in a first world country and helping to its neighbors and a force in the world for good. That's the America that I have experienced in my life. So I don't know why his America is so dark and dreary and horrible, but I certainly don't want to live in his America. His America is a place that I don't think any American really wants to be in, and until somebody starts pointing out that we don't live in the America that he thinks we live in, um, he is continuing to have a little bit of power here in the campaign. But as soon as somebody starts pointing out 
that he lives in an Amer- America that doesn't actually exist only in his mind, I think you're going to see a, people start leaving him in droves because, one, he's not a conservative, two, he's not a Republican, and three, he doesn't like America. He doesn't like America. It's clearly he doesn't like America because he's doing nothing to make us better other than talk us down. China is beating our pants, and actually they're not. They're not. Yeah, have, have our tra- has our trade deficit with China? Who, by the way, we haven't had a trade deficit. If you recall, put your put your Reagan brain on. I remember David when I was in college. Every month, when the trade deficit report would come out, it'd be on the news. And this month's trade deficit was 150 billion dollars. Oh my God, we're running a trade deficit. So apparently, under Reagan, that was a good thing. But a trade deficit today is... No, the reality is we do produce more than we use. That's why you have a trade deficit. We export grain. We export products. That's where a trade deficit... Trade does not have to be balanced to be fair. That's not how trade works. It really shows a wildly poor understanding of economics by Trump to think that trade deficits in and of themselves are bad. Because they're not. They simply show the economic power of the United States. Now, do we want to be importing everything? No. We, you know, we, we import lots of crap we probably could make here, but we can't make efficiently here. So we import that crap. You know, you look at the stuff that comes from China. Much of it's poorly made. Much of it's cheap. Much of it's junk. We import it because we love cheap junk stuff. But that's okay. We use it. We throw it away, and we go on to the next thing. But the, the stuff that we export, the stuff that runs our economy, that's the stuff that lasts in other countries for a very long time. Uh, so I, I would really love to see something come out where uh, uh, Clinton or McMullen or uh, Johnson – I'm going to ignore Stein because she's not even on the ballot in Georgia. That's how irrelevant she is here um, – come out and talk about where uh, Trump is – in the negativity factor. He is the exact, literally the exact opposite of Ronald Reagan. Did you ever hear, do you recall Ronald Reagan talking negatively about the United States? Ever? No, because he loved America and he, he saw in it the great promise that it had and the wonderful opportunities it had given him and people like him. Um, it is, uh, it's going to be something, I mean, I, I'm not leaving America, by the way, if Trump wins. Just FYI, David. I know you're not leaving if Clinton wins. Um, but at the same time, it makes you wonder, where would we be in four years under Donald Trump? I think we all know where we would be with four years under Hillary Clinton. We'd probably be exactly where we are today. Okay, Probably not going to change a heck of a lot. Because she's not an agent of change. Let's not kid ourselves. Where would we be if Trump is president? We could go one of two ways. Um... We could explode with growth, which is highly unlikely given the fact that it's not going to happen. Or two, we could literally sink into a recession the moment he is elected. What I found fascinating, David, last night was how the international markets reacted to the debate. What you saw in, uh, in China, in Hong Kong, and then early this morning in the FTSE, you saw in the DAX over in Germany, you saw an increase in value – that of the stocks that are U.S.-based increased in the markets. Why? Because they thought Hillary had won. And they see that as good for the economy, good for the markets. Uh, Trump, when he wins, drives the market down. He even last night said that we're living in a bubble and it's going to burst and we're all going to die. 
and it's going to be worse than the Depression. Really? That's how you talk during a debate? Now, you may believe that's true. You may believe that's true. But how does that help anybody by talking about it in a way that puts America down? And I, uh, I for one, reject that crap coming out of Trump's mouth. I hope anybody with a brain does as well. Let's take our final break here in America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, del Buffet de Abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración, llámenos hoy. Conocemos la ley. Sabemos cómo ayudarle. Si hay algo que se puede hacer, nosotros lo podemos hacer. Llámenos a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos por el internet a la www.immigration.net. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200, or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, I want to talk, just now that we've exhausted the debate, uh, I do want to shout out to Arnold Palmer. He passed away uh, a couple days ago, and... Uh, Another great example of a great American and a fine human being and, and someone not only changed the course of his own profession, uh, but also made us all better people for knowing who he was and what he stood for. Um, David, on immigration, there was a, a new study that came out from the National Academy of Sciences, a 500-page study on the effect of immigration on the U.S. economy. Uh, and uh, what was great about this study one was first its depth. It was just super deep, and it went to all levels of the economy. Um, and it was, uh, I, mean, it, I mean, I haven't read all 500 pages yet. I've, I've, I've skimmed through it, read the highlights. Um, but it's, it's just stunning. Here's one that first points out um, the following. Timothy Taylor points out the conventional economics of the subject of immigration doesn't change employment all that much. Quote, the conventional wisdom on the economic effects of immigration is the effect on jobs is minimal. The number of jobs in a developed economy expands over time as the population expands, whether the growth in population is from native-born workers or from immigration. Unemployment rates rise and fall with recessions and upswings, but there is no long-term trend to higher unemployment rates over time with increased immigration. Well, knew that for a long time. So they also said this. The National Academies of Science, Engineering, Medicine report on immigration uh, assesses the economic and fiscal impacts of immigration, offering a broad look at a phenomenon that has moved to the forefront of the presidential race. The conclusion runs counter to the popular narrative, suggesting that immigrants take the jobs of U.S. citizens. Though it does acknowledge some costs for segments of the population, 
It highlights research showing an influx of lower-skilled workers can lead to lower wages for earlier waves of immigrants and native-born high school dropouts. And the study found that immigration can burden government finances, especially education budgets at state and local levels. Standard economics. But think about this. Um, that looking at this from that perspective only is only a partial perspective. If each wave of immigration were distinctly different education and or skill level, this would happen. Influx of computer engineers would be felt in the computing industry, not the janitorial. But the recent waves have been largely of poor people from poor countries. Thus, each successive wave has been competing against the previous one. Again, this goes to why we need to reform our immigration system, right? Uh, President Obama's policy, and this is what Breitbart picked up. Breitbart, of course, is the racist um, uh, white pride website that's now advising Donald Trump. Barack Obama's policy of allowing a record level of 132,000-plus central immigrants to cross the Texas border will cost America at least $28 billion in government funding. Well, yes, but, but, on average, a non-elderly adult immigrant without a high school diploma entering the U.S. created net fiscal costs. Benefits received will exceed taxes in both the current generation and second generation. The average net present value of fiscal costs of such an immigrant is $231,000, a cost paid by taxpayers. Someone born in the U.S. who does not graduate from high school will cost the government more than that over their lifetimes. So, yes, bringing in people and letting them stay is costly, but less costly than letting somebody who was born here stay in the United States that graduated, didn't graduate from high school. So the idea of Obama allowing in a record level of Central American immigrants is not true, one, because they're seeking asylum Therefore, you have to give them the right to apply for asylum. And I will tell you, David, they are clearly deporting these people because I see them leave my office and get on an airplane and go home. So the process is working. Uh, now, it is uh, interesting to note here uh, that um, George Borjas, who was on part of this panel and known for his work on the cost of immigration and isn't generally known as a great fan of unlimited immigration, uh, said this. The NIS report does not conduct the final and obvious calculation that adds up the economic gains and compares the numbers of fiscal burden. But anyone with a pencil and proverbial back of an envelope can do so using the numbers in the report. The only time the NIS comes close to estimating the total gains is when it reports immigration surplus, the increase in the aggregate wealth of natives resulting from the productive contributions of immigrants. Although much is left out when calculating the theory-based plus surplus, it seems evident the bottom line is very simple. The economic impact of immigration is at best a net wash for the average native-born person. The gains accruing from the immigrants' productive contributions are probably offset by the fiscal burden. But even though the mythical average person is unaffected, some groups gain a lot and some groups lose a lot. So summing up these economic effects of immigration, yes, immigrants cost the taxpayers money more than the tax they generate, simply because the majority of immigrants are poor people from poor countries. The economy does not grow as a result of immigration. There's very little effect on wages as general. And the net overall economic effect on the average indigenous is around about zero. That's very much the standard view, which is the puzzle of my headline. And this is so, net effect is zero, that how can I be so confident it's all economically helpful? And here's a quote. Immigration enlarges the economy while leaving the native population slightly better off on average. But the greatest beneficiaries of immigration are the immigrants themselves, as they avail themselves of opportunities not available to them in their home countries. We have to remind ourselves that we're not trying to, what we're trying to do with the economy, with economics even. We know that we've got scarce resources, and we've also got unlimited human desires and wants. The game is thus to work out how to deploy these resources so as to maximize the number of needs and wants we can satisfy. 
That's the same statement as saying as we want as many people as possible, as rich as possible. Being rich is being able to satiate some or more of your needs and wants. Immigration makes no near or no difference to that ability, makes near to no difference to that ability of those who are already in the country. When poor people come from a poor country into a rich company, then their ability to do so leaps. And thus, the number of people who are richer, the number of people who can satiate more of their needs and wants rises. This is what an economy is for, to enable more people to do this. Thus, precisely because immigration is so valuable to the immigrants, then therefore immigration is economically helpful, or how could it be otherwise? I thought that was actually a fascinating story uh, uh, from, in Forbes magazine from Tom Warstall about the overall impact of immigration on America. Uh, so, David, uh, next week I'm going to take a day off. It'll be my birthday next week. Uh, so I'm going to take the day off and uh, probably go golfing, I think. Is that okay with you if I go golfing? Good. David's okay if I go golfing. It's my nickel. Thank you very much, David. Uh, now, if you have any questions about immigration or immigrants, you want to be on our show, give us a call at uh, 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 C. Cook at Immigration Net or David at, Immig- at America's Web Radio. We're always willing to put you on the air if you have the courage to come on and face me. I mean, look at David. Look at what a much better person he is all these years later for having debated me on this show. Uh, and, uh, David, there's other great programs on America's Web Radio as well, right? Never debated you. Never debated me? <laughs> Never. So, you know the great shows? Uh, what's the most popular show right now on America's Web Radio that people should be listening to? The Besides this one. The Immigration Hour. The Immigration Hour. Exactly right. Um, and coming up after this is what show? What do we have at 11, at 11 o'clock here? What do we have at 11? We have our Constitution... Followed by Medicine on Call, The Doctor's Lounge, and Greg's List. Excellent. And so Psychiatry Today and Detailing Addiction. Excellent. Excellent. We, uh, Excellent. We do a lot with uh, Dr. Blank is, is quite a well-known psychiatrist uh, in the addiction field. We have, you know, we have a... We have a big problem in the country with addiction. That's my wife. She's an addiction therapist. I mean, it's uh, clearly a major problem. And it's not just drugs. No. It's, it's lots of other things, too. Lots of other gambling, things. Gambling, uh, drinking, obviously. Sex. Sex. Uh, pornography. I mean, all of that stuff is just uh, sucking the lifeblood out of some people. She's got a, She's going to have an interesting show today. It's based on, uh, on uh, when you say I'm craving something. Mm-hmm. And. She divides uh, craving and, and addiction and explains the difference and, and so forth. Excellent. And, uh, you know, it's uh, we have the I'm, I'm far from knowledge about knowledgeable about it, but uh, our uh, the part of the brain that requires dopamine uh, has a drives lot to do that with our lives. Well, it's been great. David, time to people go online, America's Web Radio, look at the other shows you can download through iTunes or listen directly on America's Web Radio until a R couple Stitchers. weeks from now. What's that? Our Stitchers, our oh. Podcast Island, oh, oh, excellent. Our, uh, uh, Pocket Cast. i got to get all those links on my website, David. It's awesome. They're, they're this a, is a, a bunch. host Chuck Cook on America's Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.